This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. In this episode, I chat with Connie Hamilton, who has served as a teacher, coach, principal, and central office leader. She continues to devote her time to supporting teachers and leaders to implement quality instructional methods through her collaboration with educational organizations and the numerous books that she has written. During our conversation, we explored allyship across difference through the lens of a white female. While I know that this may initially sound controversial, we wanted listeners to hear from someone who is traversing the challenging journey of self-discovery so that they can show up authentically as an ally. It is our hope that this understanding will not only encourage others to embark or continue on their own journeys, but also provide helpful insight for others who are attempting to better understand the process. The truth is, we must all go through a version of self-exploration if we expect to be positioned better to align ourselves with those who are different from us. After all, as August Wilson once said, you've got to be right with yourself before you can be right with anyone else. Are you ready to dive into this transparent and vulnerable episode? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Counter Narrative Podcast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I had the opportunity to, con- to connect with our guest uh, in, in a previous episode. I, I don't know how many episodes ago by the time this actually airs, uh, but she and I had some conversations offline and I said, you know what? I need to get you back on by yourself, no offense to your co-authors, but let's examine this. Let's dive in a little deeper uh, and in doing so, discover that she has some connections to some of our other guests. So I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So Connie, how are you doing today? Today, I'm I'm doing really well. I've had a pretty productive day and the weather is beautiful here in West Michigan. And so far, it's uh, it's been a good day. Thank well, you for asking. Yeah, no, of course, of course. And I, I know the last time you and I connected, I pointed out to you uh, that I'll be coming up to the southwestern Michigan area uh, for, for my wife's birthday. So by the time this airs, that should have already occurred. So hopefully, you know, you'll be able to see the pictures on the Instagram or Twitter or wherever else it is. But uh, I am looking forward to making my way up there uh, next weekend. 
it, it start you're we're just starting to get a little bit of color change so oh, nice. in the next couple of weeks there there will probably be a little more orange and red leaves on the trees wonderful wonderful well Connie, I, I know that someone who may be listening who was like, oh, yeah, I recognize she was on with Joe and, and, and TJ, but maybe they didn't get to listen to that episode yet. If if you haven't, don't pause this one. Just go and listen to that one after this. But maybe they don't know who you are. So let's kick things off there. Tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, kind of your journey. I know we, we've done this before, but just once more, uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. I am a lifelong educator. And I started my career as an elementary teacher, and then I became a middle school teacher and a middle school assistant principal, principal, elementary principal, and I had my sights set on curriculum and instruction. And so I held a district level position at central office as a curriculum director and loved loved the, the role and have been fortunate enough to be able to expand that role and work collaboratively with other schools in the area of curriculum and instruction. And it's, it's a great, great opportunity. And, and I get to meet all kinds of people. And that kind of led me to this whole journey that I have taken that I think we're about to chat about. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know last time, right, you were on, uh, you and your co-authors, we were discussing your book, The Seven Mind Shifts. And almost immediately afterwards, right, you and I started chatting, uh, you know, on Twitter. And you were all fired up from a webinar that you had just attended. And you started sharing with me, you know, some thoughts and ideas. And it was a no brainer. Like, we we have to get you on. We We want to talk about it. And so if you're listening to this episode, this one may sound just a little bit different, but that's okay. And I I really think it's important. Uh, You know, obviously, this whole point of this uh, podcast is to push back and to challenge conversations, really to make some people feel a little uncomfortable as we reflect on our own practices and how we're showing up in spaces. And one of the things that I'll be honest, really bothers me as I do my equity work across the country to hear people who just say, you know what, it isn't my job. I'm not going to work with you. If you're not there, then that's on you. And I, and I get it. I get to a point, the frustration, people being tired and overwhelmed and just saying, that isn't how I want to show up. That is not the tasks that I'm going to take on. But I think it's important for us to understand that this work is messy and that just as we go through processes and stages of understanding, because I I say this all the time, we don't, we're not born quote woke, right? We have to understand, we have to go through and reflect and, and understand how we're showing up. So do other groups of individuals. And so Connie and I were having a conversation where she almost identified stages. And, and I think it's really important for us to be able to sit back and say, hey, how are those other people showing up to this space? How are they saying, hey, I'm recognizing the privileges I've had, and this is kind of the process that I'm going through uh, of recognizing that and dealing with it and processing it. And I again, if we're going to come collectively to the table, this is something Connie and I were just mentioning, then we have to do so with a mutual open mind of saying, how how do we benefit 
um, from understanding one another. And so I was like, yes, this conversation needs to be had because I just, I don't think it is heard enough. Um, and so we're going to dive in. And so uh, it's a preface, right? Like during this conversation, there may be things that we say that, that may be off a little bit as we're processing and understanding it. But one of the norms that I always share in the spaces that I'm in is first of all, assume best intentions one, because we may do something, we may say something that is incorrect, that is wrong, but also uh, taking responsibility for whatever outcome based on that. And so we're recognizing that already. And so we're going to go on this journey together as we have this conversation. And so I want you as the listener to feel free to join in with us. And afterwards, you know, feel free to connect with us and, and share your own thoughts and ideas or feedback for us on this conversation. So Connie, I, I hope I did a good job of prefacing this discussion. Uh, so yeah. let's jump in. Can you can you share a little bit about kind of how this started between me and you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, just we don't have a visual here. So I am a white Midwestern cisgender heterosexual Christian. I cannot get any more mainstream than what I am. I grew up in middle class America in a bubble. And there are plenty of other people who have had that same upbringing as I. And so I kind of lived the majority of my adolescent years and even into college sort of oblivious to this, this the, the notion of racism. And, you know, I'm not racist be, just because I don't use racial slurs. I'm not, you know, I've, I love everybody. I, I even have been guilty in my past of, of saying I don't see color. I have learned better since then, but this is just this naive privilege that I was able to enjoy and still do enjoy, but I, I didn't even know that I had it. Um, and when I started to work with schools outside of other schools that look just like mine, middle class, um, Midwestern kind of Christian schools that look just like mine, um, I, I began to realize that I didn't really have a, a perspective that applies to everyone. There were cultural differences that I was unaware of and positioned me in uncomfortable positions for both me and other people because I was un, really uneducated about anybody except me. And when I began to accept and learn about how I had maybe not made the best decisions up until that point, I went into this stage that I now can recognize from a different perspective of feeling sorry for myself and being shameful and, oh, look at me, I didn't know any better. And really a very selfish, hmm. self-centered kind of, here I have wronged other people, but I'm still making it about me. Right. Um, and, and I lived in that place for a long time. I mean, I, was, I would even go so far as to say I was vocal about, 
I didn't know any better and now I do. <laughs> and, and feeling kind of proud of myself, like, look at me, I have white privilege and expecting that really to be enough. And I didn't do a whole lot of work initially around that other than just being aware. And I met someone on, on Twitter who turned me on to two books and it really helped me to to see things in a, in a couple of different ways. And I was, it was suggested to me to read these two books in this sequence. The first one is called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. And Austin Channing Brown is a black woman whose parents gave her a white male name, Austin, to give her a little bit of an advantage. And, and what I was able to see through reading that book is just a glimpse of what life is like for non-white people. Um, and some things that, and I've, as I've listened even to your podcast, Charles, there are just multiple examples of the same kind of notion of things that just would escape me. Um, I just would, I was able to live my life without recognizing them. And so her candidness helped me to be able to see a new perspective and kind of made me curious and interested to learn more so that I could be more empathetic and I could be more open and I could begin to explore where I might have some implicit bias that I could tackle. And after I read that, book, I moved on to White Fragility. And anyone who's done any work in this area is probably very familiar with Robin D'Angelo's work. And she uh, she is very clear and she's very blunt. And I, I kind of roll with that. I'm, I can sugarcoat things if I have to, but I really prefer not to. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I liked her style. And what she helped me to do is just to normalize some of the language and to accept that, um, yeah, there I'm, I'm going to have racist tendencies, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bigot. It doesn't mean that I intentionally calm, cause harm and it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. And I think when we use some of these trigger words, racism, racist, when people, some people hear those words, defense mechanisms immediately come into play. I can't tell you how many people, how many times that people have said to me, are you calling me a racist? No, I'm, I'm just stating the fact. <laughs> you, your staff does not look like your, the students that you serve. That's not racist. It's true. Um, and so she helped just give me a little bit of, of vocabulary. And so that next phase that I sort of moved into was this idea that I was going to be an ally and I was going to help people to see what I was able to see. I was going to point out white privilege and I was going to point out inequities. And in typical Connie Hamilton fashion, where I was very blunt and candid, I, I experienced failure with that very quickly. And almost every single time that I made an effort to call attention to people who were not ready to hear it, it, it fell um, on, on ears that were not ready to hear it. And um, so when you have that 
frequency of failure, it causes you to sort of pause and go, okay, what am, what am I not doing right here? Because it clearly can't be the person on the other end. It has to do something with my delivery that I'm not able to communicate this message and help people to see things from a different perspective. And, and mind you, I'm, I kind of pride myself with being articulate and, and being able to communicate things effectively and help people to see things from different points of view. So this failure in this area was particularly hard for me to figure out how I was not able to navigate this. And so um, not only was I unsuccessful in helping people to see things, but I also began to recognize my own implicit bias showing its head because now I was, I was looking for it. And occasionally I would hear things like, um, you know, sometimes when people have the best of intentions, they cause more harm, even if they don't intend to, the, mm -hmm. that is the impact. And so then I went from, you know, being oblivious to being shameful, to wanting to be an ally and a vocal a proponent of that to, oh, well, if I'm an ally, I certainly don't want to do any harm. And in the space where I am right now, I don't know enough to be, be confident that I, I am not going to cause harm. So it's better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing. And I lived in that space. And that's kind of what I'm coming out of at this point. Um, I'm, I think I might still be lingering in that stage a little bit of being reticent to say the wrong thing, unintentionally um, hurt someone. But I've worked really hard to try to figure out what I will do when those circumstances occur, because they're bound to. Like, I don't, I'm not of the mind that I can avoid them completely for the rest of my life. And so it's better that I arm myself with some some strategies and some words and some skills to navigate when those things happen so that I can repair any harm that is done immediately and I can learn from that, that position. And where I want to continue to grow into it, and this podcast is kind of my, my first real stamp that I can say that it's, it's a mindful, purposeful, choice that I'm making to take some kind of action and not just sit back and watch other people do the work that is so important to be done. So Connie, I, first of all, I want to say thank you. Um, you know, uh, I, to be able to come into a space uh, and to be able to share that out loud, uh, you know, the, it takes a certain level of transparency and vulnerability. And, and so I just want to say thank you. Uh, for being willing to say, hey, this is who I am. These are the things that I've gone through that, you know, good or bad, that this is just who I am. So so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I was jotting down a few notes and, and I kind of want to go back and kind of work our way through some of this because as you mentioned to me, right, there are individuals who I, I'm sure who are listening to the show or people who are listening who know others who are at, maybe at these various stages and so I, I kind of want to go back into that idea, first of all, like, because you mentioned the word privilege. Uh -huh. And it is one of the things that still surprise me that we're still arguing and fighting over <laughs> because somebody says, well, you know, there's such a thing as white privilege. And, you know, I grew up 
in especially my high school years, a majority of the students that I went to school with were white. And one of the things that I would hear, especially as we started having these conversations as adults, well, you know, I worked just as hard as you, or mm-hmm. I didn't have, you know, money or, and it's like, guys, that, that's not what we're talking about. Right. Right. Like literally a privilege by definition is just simply an advantage. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. It's, it's an advantage, whether it's earned or unearned, it is an advantage. So can we have conversations then around what it, advantages do you have that I don't, you know, for example, and and these were just honest conversations, you know, if we get pulled over, are we going to have the same experience, Mm -hmm. right? And immediately just because our skin color is different, our experiences, unfortunately, a majority of the time, not all of the time, but a majority of the time are going to be vastly different. And so that is an advantage that you have, right? And in that case, an unearned advantage because you you did nothing, mm-hmm. right? right. And, and I also share, right, there are certain advantages, you know, that I have earned. You know, I am, you know, I was explaining uh, to a colleague at work the other day that I am part of Purdue's chancellor circle, right? And that is an advantage that I have earned. I, I, I was able to, financially get to a point and be able to make a contribution, right? And so now I have an advantage, you know, my when my children, well, actually one daughter's already there, or when my grandchildren, if they enroll, right, or apply at Purdue, right, there's an advantage, mm-hmm. right, that I have over someone who maybe has never been to school. And so we have to understand, first of all, that privileges show up in many areas, right? I, I, I kind of held back. But earlier, as you were describing yourself, you're like, I am probably about as mainstream as I can be. And uh, the very, the first thing I was going to say was like, well, maybe if you were male. Right. right? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I almost said that actually, but I was like, ah, I'm just going to keep moving on. That's, no, I mean, it's the only box I don't check. Right. And, but, and, and right there, right. Even gender, there are certain privileges that males have over females. And so, I think the very first thing that stage that you talked about of being oblivious is understanding what those privileges are and how you benefit from them. But more importantly, as you start to become aware of them is how can you utilize your privilege mm-hmm. to advance the lives of others? Like that's what I jokingly, when I brought up to my peers, I said, you know, like Purdue's messed up. Like I put my foot in the door and now I'm like, come on guys, let's go. Let's go. Like, <laughs> like that, that is what we have to do when we, when we get invited to spaces. Uh, one of my mentors talked about the plus one, who are we bringing with us into that space that we have the honor and privilege of being in? Who are we bringing that is not involved in that space? Right? So I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. I, I think. And so we could we can pause on that one and just, you know, any thoughts that you have, but mm-hmm. recognizing the privileges that you have and then what can you do with those privileges to advance the opportunities of others? Right. I, I think I'm going to I'm going to take just a half a step back and give another example that has been somewhat successful in cause helping people to just sort of pause and think about privilege in this perspective is that oftentimes um, you'll you'll hear the pushback of someone saying, well, I've been discriminated against too. 
and then they tell the one time that <laughs> yeah. they were judged or they were not given the benefit of the doubt or how they were mistreated this this one time 15 years ago or who knows whenever it was and i use that opportunity to highlight to say yeah that is that is a really awful feeling and i've had that same feeling a couple of times in my life as well imagine if everywhere you went and every day of your life that that risk that potential is on the forefront of your thinking how many mm -hmm. times a week do you think about that experience of being discriminated against or being judged based on your color versus other people in their life experiences how often is that a factor for them and a consideration for them the fact that i don't have to think about my color is a privilege that I enjoy. It isn't always a factor of, am I going to fit in? Are there going to be other people that look like me? Um, am I going to be accepted? Those are things that I don't have to often think about. Thank you. you I, I, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about just, you know, scenarios and, you, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, my, my wife and I, like she, I think she is starting to become more aware. Uh, you know, my wife, she's from Guadalajara, but she has very European features, you know, the, the Spaniard, uh, uh, colonizers. Um, but she is becoming more aware. And I mean, recently as within the last week or so. Right. And she, she catches it now and she's like, and she just looks at me and says, I'm sorry. Right. Not that she has done anything wrong, but she's recognizing like this is your experience and like it happens way more than I thought it did. Like now I know why you walk around guarded, right? Because you're you're ready and you're anticipating and you're preparing for these things to happen because it's just a normal part, you know, of, of, of that life. And so. I think it's right. Recognition awareness is absolutely key, um, which makes which I want to, I guess, move into the next stages you are talking about, which I think is an interesting one. And I hear this a lot of like the woe is me, like how like you're recognizing this thing, mm -hmm. that you, this privilege that you have. And then somehow, somehow it's still about you. Yeah. Like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> What? Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I think right out of these stages, right, uh, false allyship is a very dangerous space to be in, right? Oblivious, it's like, yeah, like, oh, come on already. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how are you still in that space? False allyship, which we'll talk about in a moment, is extremely dangerous. But like, I think the one that is the most frustrating uh, and, and hurtful because it's in this space is, is that idea of this, like, well, you should show pity on me because I didn't know. And so somehow you're now taking the situation and, and turning it onto yourself. And so I'm just curious, I mean, you, you mentioned that you were in that space, mm -hmm. you know, kind of how, like what, what helped you, you know, make that transition because it is that that's kind of that space, right? That 
we we poke fun at a lot in social media, but you know we laugh because it's easier than crying sometimes. Sure. Um, I think. So in the book that I referenced, Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility, there's a chapter that is called White Tears. And I was like, what the heck is that? White Tears? I jumped to that chapter as soon as I got my hands on the book and wanted to learn what this White Tears, I, I'm like, I, yep, I've shed some tears in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was... Um, you know, the reflection that I had at the moment is, I guess it's just sort of a disappointment in yourself. And especially for an educator, I think that educators get into this field because they want to do good. And when you have this realization that what you thought was good really wasn't, it, um, you know, it, it really hits you at your identity of wanting to be a nurturer and a, a, someone who provides service and care. And it causes you to really question your character. Like, how could I have not known this? And how could I have been so awful? And look at all the harm that I caused. And I think, you know, for some people, we people reflect in different ways. And I think that when people have the aha moment, however they process that is, you know, that is on them. I think the point is, though, is to recognize that, okay, yep, I, I did these things. And now that I know better, I can do better. I'm, I'm not going to dwell on this forever and use that as a crutch to not move forward. And um, I think... When we look at things, I always try to bring it out of looking at a topic that is is so personal and, and so hot and look at it to something that we can all relate to and maybe there isn't a whole lot of disagreement around. So think about like a relationships, right? It just did like a, a, a couple's relationship. And let's let's say in this relationship there's there's some trust is broken. And the person who breaks the trust is like, you know, hey, why are you, why don't you trust me? And why don't you do this? And, and, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you're the one who did X, Y, and Z. And now all of a sudden you're the victim because I'm holding you accountable. It's, you know, sort of that similar perspective of it isn't about you. It's on you to do better. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I just think that a lot of reflection and the ability to hear different perspectives, uh, your podcast, and there are other small bites with Hedrick Nichols, and oh, yeah. they're just really awesome opportunities for people to hear the normalcy of different life experiences. I was, when I was listening to the podcast with you and Rabia, I think it's episode 111, there was a moment when you shared your story about greeting some people in your school and you're out in the parking lot and you were, it was summertime. So you're dressed a little casually and, and they mistook you for the custodian or, mm -hmm. or the PE teacher. And after you told that story, you, turned it over to Rabia and asked her to share 
a similar story. And she's, she just very quickly was like, hmm, you know, there are so many. And that, there's one piece about listening to the story and making the connection. But for me, the bigger piece is that in your life experiences, the two of you have these buckets of experiences that you can recall on a regular basis. I mean, I think the one that you referenced was yesterday or last week or like recently. And when I have been in a space where someone is helping me to be more aware of equity and, and learning about that, there are often times when I'm very much aware of the fact that I don't have those same experiences. Certainly, I don't have that many. You know, I, there's not a plethora of experiences that I have of that. And again, mm-hmm. it kind of takes you back to, boy, I, I feel badly that I haven't had these experiences and someone else has. And I really like the way that you shifted of instead of feeling badly, why don't I, why don't I look for ways that I can say, okay, I'm less likely to have these experiences. And so what can I do with that? And that's what I'm trying to, um, I'm, I'm really trying to take that perspective and, I think that there are probably other people who have had these same reflections. And I think sharing my experience with that and how I'm able to let it go and recognize that it isn't about me and not feel sorry for myself and just use that as ammunition to, to do something and not just talk about it is, is what I am hoping I can inspire your listeners to do. Well, thank you, Connie. And, and, and I really, and, and I, I'm hoping, right, that as we're having this conversation, you know, that there are individuals who are listening, that it is, that it is helpful that, you know, there's the ahas and, you know, we're, we're like, oh, okay, no, that, that, that makes a little more sense, you know, whether I am in that boat or this is what I'm recognizing in others, it just helps, right, as we're having this conversation, because again, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, this these types of conversations are those things that should happen more often. An understanding, an attempt to understand one another, uh, you know, beyond kind of that superficial surface level, which which is actually the, the very next thing that I wanted to talk about because you ta- you mentioned that you know shifting into like, well, what can I do, right? Recognizing how I'm showing up, what can I do? And so, you know, we utilize the term allyship a lot. And I think it's important for individuals to understand, you know, there is, you know, authentic allyship. But unfortunately, what we we often see is something called performative allyship. And I, I don't know, like, if, if this is a term, you know, that you're familiar with, Connie, but uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll share, especially with the listeners, that you know, performative allyship is this idea that you know things look really good, right? We take steps on, on a superficial level, and we say, "Look, we care. Look, we're aware. Look, this is bad. Like, look, this should stop happening." Mm-hmm. And then that's it, right? You come right? in, like, you're like, "Yoo-hoo, I'm going to save the day," and then you leave. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous space to be, uh, you know, one, because 
a lot of times it gives, well, one, it can give an image, right? That, you know, maybe there's progression being made or that things are, you know, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately this idea like, oh, look, right? Like we're, we're making progress in this area because everybody put a black square on their Instagram and we all feel better about ourselves, right? But in in reality, did did anything really shift? Right. Did anything really stop? I, I remember, especially like right in the heat of like, you know, following Floyd mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, unrest that we are seeing in this country, you know, the, even within the black community, leaders were saying, hey, look, like, are you really ready? Because, and, and I just, I want to say this, right? Like performative allyship isn't just about like white people pretending to support like black causes. Like that's, that's not the only space. A lot of times we, we do a lot of this to ourselves. And, and of course, you know, allyship goes across many other differences as well, you know, gender and sexual orientation and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to mention this because I, in speaking with some of these leaders in our space, they said, are we really willing to do what needs to be done? Like you're willing to go and march. You're willing to go and bust up a window or whatever. You know, you're willing to say, you know what? Ah, I'm not going to buy anything from you know this store you know on black friday or or whatever it may be you know but think about like the the boycott the bus boycott like that wasn't a day mm-hmm. it wasn't a week it wasn't a month like people dug in for a year to say like no we need to see substantive change happen and it takes time for those things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that and it's like you know you you make all of these claims but then you turn around and you're right back to making purchases from the same store that you were just looting a week before. Right. Right? You you put a on a t-shirt, right? And then you're you know voting for somebody who who doesn't believe in those concepts and ideologies. Right? It's it's that performative allyship. And so I'm curious because you mentioned you're like, hey, I'm going to try to be authentic, right? I'm going to try to start doing this work. And then you you even started getting pushback. And so I'm wondering if you could talk just a little bit about in your attempts to be authentic, right? You, as you were mentioning, it was falling on ears that didn't want to hear. And, you know, you kind of said, you know what, I'm going to step away because I don't I don't feel comfortable. I don't know how to do this. Like this is becoming, you know, just a little too much, a little too overwhelming. So understandably, like, okay, I'm just going to stop for a moment. Can we dive into that a little bit? And isn't that nice that I have that privilege to be able to say, (laughs) I'm going to step away from this for a bit. Um, Yes. So sorry, couldn't resist that opportunity to point that out again. Um, Yeah, I think... The first really true example that I could think of where I mustered up the courage to to speak, and I was working in a school district, and like many school districts that I work in, the the staff doesn't have the same cultural backgrounds as as the students. Not in every school, but certainly there are plenty of schools that have 
mostly white staff and mostly students of color. And this was the case in this particular school where I was in. And I was in an elementary classroom and the teacher was struggling with a, a particular student. He had had some behavior issues. And um, so we were in there as a team sort of observing to see what we might be able to do from an instructional perspective to, to help the student be successful. And in the debrief after the lesson, the teacher shared that the student really wasn't connecting with anyone was not really attaching, had had a rough home life. Um, I, I don't recall the specifics of the background story. This was many years ago. Um, but in my mind, what I do remember is I'm thinking, okay, there's some detachment issues here, which is going to take a significant amount of time and consistency and effort more than what the average person would think is sufficient before they just say, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And so I shared with this teacher, you, you just have to be consistent and there you need to be present and provide that positivity all the time so that every time he comes, he's not wondering, is this the day that you're going to be different? And you can't fast forward that. It's just going to take some time. And I said, and the fact that you are white and he's black adds a whole nother layer of the potential issue that he may have connecting with you and building trust with you. And she said nothing. We didn't really explore it much more than that. And I kind of walked away feeling really proud that I had mentioned color. <laughs> hmm. um, and I revisited the school. And the next time that I came, I was with just the administrative staff and we were debriefing what we had identified in, in instruction. And I took the opportunity with the administrative staff, who again was all white except one black male. And I said, you know, when I was here the last time, I, I mentioned that the staff doesn't look like the students. And so one of the things that you may consider moving forward is how can you help your staff to learn how to make connections with people that have culturally different backgrounds than they do? What are some of the things that they want to be mindful of? How can they recognize their implicit bias and, and really help to create an inclusive classroom? And one of the principals in the room looked at me and said, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, yes, I, got, I, did, I did something here. And he said, you know, my teachers told me that you were racist. And now I can see what they're talking about. Mm. And I was caught so off guard. Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you, what are you saying? Like, I'm not, really, I'm not talking about racism here. I'm not calling anybody saying that they're being um, unfair or, but the fact that I had labeled the fact that his teachers were white and the student was black, that was his definition of me being racist, the fact that I named color. And so when we look at having these conversations, if just that causes somebody to receive this label. And, and I'm thinking about this as I flew home on the way home. I thought, okay, if I were a woman of color, 
They wouldn't say you're racist. They would say, oh, now you're going to pull the black card. Either way, having these conversations about color and the implications that that means when we're crossing cultures and trying to understand one another is a, is a challenge. And in that moment, I realized that I needed some skills. <laughs> I needed some, some stories that could illustrate what I was trying to be mindful of. And I also needed to collect some experiences of success that could be shared so that people could see the potential if they would just be more open, open-minded to it. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. I, 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 I'm just kind of reflecting and Chuck, like, you know, it's, it's very easy to pull those cards, right. When, when I'm uncomfortable and to stop conversations and just say, well, you're, you're being a racist. Um, I, I thought to be honest the other day, I, I thought I was going to enter into a conversation. I stopped at a at a brewery on the way home just to pick up some dinner, uh, you know, I, and my, my lovely craft beer. It's one of my, my favorite things. Oh, you'll and, have to uh, check that out when you get to the Grand Rapids area. We have lots of microbreweries yes. here. <laughs> yes. Side note, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, this, this guy was wearing a hat talking about how he wanted reparations. Um, and, you know, he, how he wanted reparations from the idiots who voted for Biden. That was, that was the hat. And, you know, I, I just kind of looked at it and he, he, you know, I, he saw me looking at it and I just kind of like shook my head, you know, with the idea of like, you know, reparations. And I really thought I was going to get into this whole conversation around like, well, you know, there were groups who received reparations and it wasn't the enslaved like individuals. It was, you know, sorry that we took away your workforce. Here's, here's some compensation. You know, and I said, so, you know, if you want to have conversations around operations, but it, it quickly becomes right. We, we narrow it down, we boil it down and that's all it becomes this heated debate, this ugly oftentimes conversation uh, where we just, you know, we accuse one another of being racists and we, we can't go any further. And it's, it's unfortunate, right? I know, you know, there's. I've used Kendi's phrase, and I know that makes people a little uncomfortable sometimes, but it's like if you're not an anti-racist, right, right. Like if you, if you're not actively pushing back, like no one's ever, ever in a state of neutrality one, right? So it's like, you're either actively pushing back against racist ideologies, right? And, and you could replace racist with a lot of other words, mm -hmm. sexist, uh, you know, uh, ageist, right? All these other things, right? These ideologies, or you're either like kind of allowing them to exist by either actively uh, agreeing with them or saying, Hey, you know, I'm not going to push back. I'm going to allow them to exist, mm -hmm. which can be overwhelming for people. I, I completely understand. Um, you know, which is why we, we have this kind of conversation around, you know, allyship, right. And, and how you show up and what you do and, I think as we as we begin to close out this conversation, you know, the the difference between the two, right? As as you were talking about showing up and doing the work, it's I guess the intention. And we we mentioned this earlier, right? The you could have the best of intentions, but if you do it in the wrong way, you're gonna have horrible results. I I, I talk about that in my colorblindness session. But 
when we think about ally, allyship, authentic allyship, and, and this was a quote I, I came across at one point, you know, isn't about your, isn't about amplifying like your own voice. It's not about you, which takes us back to the beginning of this conversation. It's not about you, but it's instead saying, what can I do to uplift the voices of others? What can I do to advance you know, these marginalized groups of individuals. And and I, I want to say this, and, and I, I, I was appreciative, you kind of referenced this earlier, it's not going in and saying, here's how I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. This is what I feel that you need, and this is what I'm going to do to you, for you. But instead to say, how can I help you? What can I do? How can I utilize the privileges that I have to support you, to advance you, to to amplify your voices and, and to listen to that, mm-hmm. right? And, and maybe it isn't what you initially thought. And maybe it's going to be, I don't want your assistance right now. But that is what allyship is. It's, it's not about... How am I going to gain recognition and, and fame and whatever it may be, right? I'm, I'm walking down the street wearing my shirt so everybody knows that, you know, this is my stance. It's a lot of times we, we move and we do things in the background, right? And that's where the work is really being done. And so, you know, I, I would encourage, you know, those of you listening, right, to, to hear the words of Connie in this case and saying, right, I'm... I. First of all, there's a journey that you go through, and the journey is natural. The, the journey is expected. It's not linear by any means, right? It's messy. You're, you're going to make advancements and regressions, and, and you're going to figure these things out. But, you know, it's important that you are being authentic when you're showing up in this space, right? That you are... Educating yourself, Connie brought up two wonderful uh, resources, and there are a plethora, right? Uh, you know, connecting yourselves with other educators. You know, she mentioned Hedrick, right? Hedrick is a good friend of mine. Uh, Love her. You know, it's there's so much that can be done, but again, at the end of the day, grounding yourself in how can I utilize the privileges that I have to to improve to advance to amplify this marginalized group without any sort of self recognition without any sort of self promoting mm-hmm. and and i think that is kind of the heart of this conversation agree and you know i think there's in the effort one of the things that i do want to share because there were i've shared this with a lot of people like where do i how do i learn how do i get clarity because um, you know there there are differences of opinion within the the United States and within different groups about what should be done, what can be done, how should it be done. So an example, and I'm always trying to be mindful of what else can I learn, what what could I be doing differently, and how am I making sure that I minimize any harm that I'm doing. So recently on Twitter, there was a long thread. And it came across my feed and the thread was something to the effect it started about white people using memes and 
gifs, gifs, however you want to say this, uh, <laughs> with black people, and that that should not be done. And I went back to that phase, you know, as you say, it's very fluid, right? So I went back into this, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I have posted a meme or I have sent a, a gif that it has the main character in it who does not look like me. I'm sure I've used males. I'm sure I have had people of color. I'm sure I've had ducks, <laughs> right? Who knows? <laughs> and as I'm reading through this, then it becomes labeled. It Now it has a name and they're calling it digital blackface. So I'm inquiring about this. And I have to tell you, Charles, I desperately wanted to get some clarity. Like, where is this? Where do people stand? Is this a faux pas? Is this not a thing? And I probably spent a good half hour, 45 minutes reading through hundreds of threads of people who were very willing to voice their opinions. And they were strong opinions and they were completely polar. And there were people saying, we have bigger things to worry about than people posting memes. And then there were people saying, well, if you intentionally exclude certain groups of people in your memes, then what does that say about you? And then there were people who saying this isn't about a meme or a GIF, GIF. This is about presenting yourself in social media as a person of color when you're not. So even just the definition of it was all over the place. And I thought, you know, this is a really good example of if someone were looking outwardly to say, what can I learn from other people? Who's going to tell me what I should do and what the right choice is? We are in for a long life of frustration. And what I realized as I was looking through that is that I need to develop enough confidence and clarity on who I am and what I stand for so that I can look through a thread like that and be comfortable with the fact that it's all over the place and use that as an opportunity to say, okay, people are going to see this differently. What does that mean for me? And how do I want to handle this situation? And I, I proudly did not contribute to the thread at all. <laughs> I just, I was just a little fly on the wall, but I think that's what we have to develop. That's what I have to develop anyway, is I need to be confident enough in where I stand, what I understand, and the perspectives that I have. So in the actions that I take, I'm empathetic and I'm helpful. And that isn't about asking someone else, what should I do? Now, I, I recognize what you're saying is a bit different. Like, you know, how can I help you? Well, let, let's team up. Let's let's do this together. But it isn't on someone else to guide me and tell me what to do. It's mm -hmm. on me to find people who are willing to share like you. Not everyone wants to share the journey that they have had. It's it's like mental health, right? Some people are happy to share the struggles that they've had with mental health in the in the hopes that they can support other people. And then there are other people who are like, no, my mental health is private and I don't want to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. And we honor that in that space. 
And I think that if we transfer that into some of these conversations about culture and race and say, you know, some people are going to be really open and they'll be happy to share their experiences and you'll be able to learn from them. But if other people don't want to, or they've had enough experiences where they've attempted to share their their story and it has made no difference or it has not been convincing, which I've had that experience plenty of times of people who are like, no, no, I'm not going to listen to you, lady. Um, I can understand where people would just be like, this is exhausting. I don't, I don't want to spend my time and energy trying to educate you on something that is so personal to me. And I guess my, my stance is that there are people out there who are willing and you, you, you can listen to podcasts, you can watch videos, you can, you can just observe and listen to people's stories and build empathy so that you can have a better perspective of how every choice you make could have a different perspective than what you intended it to have. And once you see all of those things, you can make better decisions. And and that is all we are asking. And so I, I'm hoping, right, that like if, if if you're listening to this, you know, that that is what you begin, like, who, where am I showing up? How am I showing up? Uh, and what can I do? Right. And, and I know Connie and I have had a long conversation. We're almost an hour in. Um, <laughs> and it's just. I'm sure that this conversation can continue because there are so many layers, there are so many facets, um, you know, and what we are recognizing, as you just mentioned, the digital blackface. I mean, I'll be honest, it's the, it's the first time I'm hearing of it. It makes like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, right, where things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it's like you mentioned, kind of saying, okay, I, I'm not going to get wrapped up into everything. I'm going to make a conscious decision to make sure that I'm informed and I'm aware and utilizing what I understand. How do I move forward in this? And and constantly reflecting, constantly going to those spaces. And I, and and I call it like create curating safe spaces to have brave conversations, Mm -hmm. right. Of people who can help you learn and grow, right? And so, for example, you know, you saying, hey, can can we pop in and have this conversation, right? I have my spaces and to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can, what are your thoughts? What are your ideas? And it, it's never an obligation for anyone else, right? But to have those safe spaces to be able to learn and to grow and just to continue on to this journey because, it's never over. There, there's always something we're going to learn. And as you, you know, we've talked about, it's not linear, right? We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to find ourselves, you know, with maybe an antiquated mentality about something and we need to drag ourselves back out of it. Right. It, it's mm-hmm. just, we, I, I would say this is that you cannot continue to beat yourself up over things that have happened because you can't do anything about that. Right. It's, how do I move forward with the understanding that it's going to be messy? I'm going to make some mistakes. But as long as I am moving in kind of the right general direction, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, I, I understanding that the, the seeds that you're planting today, I, I saw a quote the other day that it's the farmer that understands that they won't enjoy the tree of the seed that they plant, right? The shade of the tree mm-hmm. of the seed that they plant. It's we may not see that, 
And again, if we're not in the area of performative allyship, then that shouldn't matter because you're making things better for future generations. So Connie, I just want to say thank you, you know, for coming into the space and, and again, being transparent and vulnerable and saying, I'm willing to have this conversation with you and just kind of reflect and process, you know, my own journey. I just, uh, thank you. Well, I back at you. I, I really appreciate just the opportunity to talk it through. And, and I'm really thankful for podcasts like yours that help us to maneuver through these. And I always pick up every time I listen to an episode, I always pick up a phrase or an angle that I think is particularly powerful that I'm like, mm -hmm, I'm going to use that. I'm, I'm going to include that. And so, you know, we just get better over time. So thank you. Not a problem. And, and for those of you listening, you know, I know that this episode was a little bit different from others. And, but as always, you know, I encourage uh, dialogue and conversation and interaction. So if you, if something struck a chord, right, whether it resonated with you and you want to share that, uh, if maybe we got something wrong and you said, Hey, this, this is challenging me. You know, I would encourage you to have a conversation. What, what I'm doing right now on the show happens all the time off the air, right? We, it's just part of, as I mentioned, it is what we're supposed to do. And so uh, it would be shame on me if I were to say, nope, I'm not engaging in that conversation with you offline. Uh, so uh, you know how to find me and to have those conversations with me. But maybe you want to do the same with uh, Connie. So Connie, why don't you share with the listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. Uh, my website is ConnieHamilton.net. And I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. And my Twitter handle is at Connie Hamilton. So yeah, I'm, I'm open and I am looking always for opportunities to grow. So yeah, if there's feedback, I would be welcoming of an opportunity to, to see how my journey is impacting folks. Well, once again, I, I just want to say thank you, uh, you know, for everything that you're doing uh, and for being in this space. And I look forward, you know, to your continued journey and for whatever role that I may play in that journey. Thank you very much, Charles. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.